Hi, everyone, and welcome to Elite Rugby SNC podcasts. First off, if you haven't already, sign up and join Elite Rugby SNC. We provide you with all your strength, conditioning, speed, and recovery needs. You can try before you buy, so try our seven day, $7 trial. And it gives you a taste of what we offer here at Elite Rugby SNC. We also offer our newsletter, so definitely sign up to that as we put out bonus content each and every week. So take your game to the next level, become a beast, and join Elite Rugby SNC. So today, for the first time in person, Ben is with us. So good day, Ben. Um, thank you. First time in person. Yeah. Mm. Not the first time in person that we've no. ever met, but yeah, first time doing this. Um, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. It almost feels like I'm uh, out of a COVID, COVID bubble or something. Yes, I'm allowed to see you. So yeah. fantastic. We don't, don't have to wear masks or anything. Yeah. So. This is great. This is, yeah, how life should be. It should. So today we're going to talk about trunk integrity. So first off, um, I'm going to define what trunk integrity is, just so everyone gets a good understanding of it. So when we talk about trunk integrity, we're talking about core training. So part one is the ability to brace and, pro and provide stability to prevent energy leaks in the transference of power in movements and to support stability of the spine and pelvic region. Second part to this is to provide clean movement patterns and the transference of power and strength. From this, Ben, how important is trunk integrity training, not just for rugby athletes, but for all athletes? Yeah, it's interesting going through the, the actual definition there, how it's defined or how, how it's been defined there. Um, at the end of the day, if you're not strong in the core, you're not going to be able to brace and uh, transfer any energy in the direction that you want. So we have an old saying, if you're not strong in your, your trunk, or on the ability to be strong on one leg and balance. Uh, it doesn't matter how big and strong those other lifts are, you, you're not going to transfer into the, the real dynamic world where you have to coordinate a lot of movements and you're reliant on your, your trunk integrity or the skill of your trunk to coordinate its activity at the right time and not to fatigue um, and put you in compromising positions. So um, it's probably the fundamental thing that you should, should work on really. Mm, no, 100%. It allows you to generate that power from the ground up to get it to the upper body to do what you want it to do. Yeah, and even think um, how much it protects you as well. Think if uh, someone ran into you from behind, suddenly it's the ability of your core to uh, contract rapidly to prevent your spine bending backwards. Mm -hmm. So it does a lot of protection as well as um, transference of force. Mm, no, totally. So from a research um, meta-analysis from the Sports Med Journal, um, they looked at trunk muscle training and sports-specific performance. So the research found that so having a strong trunk improves your performance as an athlete in like lower limb muscle power, linear speed, change direction, and agility, but also in sports-specific skills such as throwing, tackling, and scrummaging as well. They also found that trunk training needs to be a vital part of SNC programs and must be programmed at least two sessions per week to see a positive impact on performance as well. Yeah, well, it's good that meta-analysis for people that don't understand that's when they look at a number of studies and actually look for criteria in there. Um, for me, that I'm not surprised at all about that. Um, and it's not only the, that, but it's the quality of the exercise selection that you choose as well. So a lot of the work that you need to do in sport is you have to get to vertical, so vertical trunk work as well. A lot of people, when they actually coordinate uh, or create 
poor training, they look at people on the ground most of the time. But in sport, you're in a vertical position. So you have to get into those positions in unique different positions as well. And that way it'll even have higher transfer over versus just general core training. So what's your thoughts after taking a look at that research? It just makes sense that having a strong core is going to improve everything that we do. Um, And I think the big one is what we talked about before was change direction and agility work. Like you got to be able to hold yourself in that that position to be able to then react properly. And if you're allowing your body to move side to side and be a bit limp, you're not going to be able to change direction or react to the stimulus in in the way that you want it to be. So I think that's the main thing um, and probably something people forget about when talking about change of direction, agility, and also linear speed, that you need to have a strong core. It's not just getting a six pack. It's being able to be robust at speed and then changing that direction as well. Yeah, it's those at speed micro stabilization and rotation things that you basically you think of you when your hips are working, your core has to do work to actually stabilize that or transfer force. So some, some of the stuff you do to make running harder is you might have a stick overhead or hands on hips running because then it actually forces the core to do a lot more work yeah. um, for thinking of when you're transferring over to trying to a skill acquisition type of point of view. If you're literally running where you're looking at 45 degrees, the opposite position, hands on hips, the amount of pressure that you're putting on your core to work in an unusual position as well. Yeah. Um, and there's a thing for change of the direction where you just punch your shoulder around. So rather than moving your legs, just say you're at speed, you punch your shoulders around, um, your core reacts, your legs follow. So that's how you can actually change direction at speed as well. Rather than using your legs, a shoulder punch, it's called, just for that rotation at speed. Um, And you'll find that your legs don't get tangled up, especially when you're weaving Mm. high speeds, but it needs that core strength to do that. And um, you'd be amazed at how strong in some of the standards that you get. So at the elite levels, you're looking for um, ability to cross brace with up to 50, 75 kilos on your back for 30 seconds. Mm. And cross bracing is just from one elbow or hand to the other foot in a a prone position. That's the amount of strength that you actually, you can get up to as well. Mm. No, hundred percent. So moving on from the research, because it's not, our trunk integrity training is not just one thing there's many different subcategories in that so we have put them into movement groups and we've got to link it back to what a movement is in the gym but then also link it to rugby as well for our listeners so the first one is um, anti-lateral flexion so a good exercise in the gym is doing a dumbbell single arm farmer's walk what would be a good sort of rugby movement um yeah, and to, to apply that. Yeah, so it's interesting that like uh, another term at the moment, like anti-lateral flexion, anti. So uh, we, it's been known as bracing, the ability mm-hmm. to brace against the movement. So resisting for that, for um, say, and lateral rotation for people. If you're listening to this, just say you're moving in that direction, it's fighting leaning over. So for me, it would be getting hit from the side mm. suddenly you've got the ability to suddenly, if you've got strength, you get hit from the side, you're not going to go with that. You've Mm. got the ability to fight that. Um, And it could be even when you're in a tackle or a clean out, if you don't hit that angle uh, quite right, and there's a lot of force twisting you around, 
therefore that has to brace so that you can straighten yourself up again as well. So it's trying to keep your spine in alignment from any time bending, whether that's vertical or horizontal. Mm. I think it's very important, the anti-lateral flexion aspect, because a lot of injuries do occur from that being, if you are flexing like that, um, in terms of hamstrings and also ACLs as well. So if you're very poor like that, you're getting yourself in a really compromised position and then putting contact on top of that is just not a good mix for anyone. Yeah, and, and look, you, you, the ability to fight gravity as it, and those angles as well, yeah. like you're saying from a coordination point of view. Yeah. So the next one is anti-rotation. So we're looking at a band around the world and a paloff press. So if you do do our program, you'll definitely know what a band around the world is. Um, but yeah, what's our, our rugby our movement? Okay, so um, yeah, it's, uh, if you're looking there, it's more being able to catch and pass um, or even point while you're running in different directions. So if you cop a pass that's up here, all of a sudden you've got to do that and you've got to transfer across your body. It's the ability to brace um, in a vertical position, but yet do anything with your arms without compromising uh, basically the coordination of your core. Uh, so to say, if it's up really high, you've got the ability to brace, yet still reach up and have that ability to flex up mm. to catch as well. So it's giving you a more rounded um, core so that you, you can, any action that you want to do or need to do, suddenly you can do. Mm. And especially doing it at speed as well. Like yeah. That's the important part is being able to maintain your speed while catching that ball if it's a bad pass or it's a lower high pass and you know, being able to continue on and then transfer that ball across the body. Yeah, and looking from the, the progressions of those exercises, you'd start with wide feet and then narrow feet. Then um, you'd have an inside foot and then an outside foot. So you end up on the single leg eventually, but mm. you're able to do that. And that's where you truly start seeing transfer. When you're able to do um, polar presses, it's a pretty easy exercise, but bend around the worlds and yeah. twisting type exercise on a single leg. Yeah. Then you know you've got that coordination of your hip and then trunk integrity or core above that reaching up to your ribs mm. yeah, it's definitely something we'll post on our instagram page in the future our band around the worlds and the different um stance whips and single leg outside leg inside leg down um for, the, for our listeners who don't know that exercise but if you are subscribed to the become a beast program you'll definitely know what it is you maybe just do that and then i'll yeah. save some time on instagram actually <laughs> maybe <laughs> So our next one is anti-extension. So looking at um, hanging leg raises or rollouts and what is our rugby movement? Uh, so look, that's the bracing, preventing your body from whipping back. Mm. Every tackle, every run that you've ever made and every clean out. So if you're coming in and getting hit for those viewers, if you're coming in and you're angled slightly up, if you're stopping being uh, able to push back, then you're going to win contact. So it's really the key one for tackling and cleaning out and actually um, when you're accelerating into contact, it's mm. a key one involved. Without that, you're um, you, basically, you can see people that aren't strong there, they get hit and they fold upwards. Mm. Um, yeah, and they get owned in contact. So therefore, if they fold back in with their upper body, their legs come more underneath them, they've lost all their ability to produce power in that contact mm. situation. And I also think of anti-extension as just the ability, especially like a hanging leg raises to be nice and stacked and locked in so you can achieve that full knee drive um, when sprinting. Because if we're in a very 
compromised position and really extended through that back. We're not going to be able to get that leg up high and then just the whole chain of running um, is going to be compromised and you won't be able to reach your full potential as well. Yeah. So our next one is rotation. So looking at our band of wood chops and then what would be our rugby movement. So that's catch pass, that's tackling, twisting people to ground, all those unusual positions that you get yourself in. It's never a, a lot of people train in the gym and they think if I lift this way, I do prone holds, push, pull, I'm fine. But it's the ability to rotate or brace against rotate, rotation from whether it's going from high to low or low to high or across your body, uh, that's real strength. So if you think of someone that's probably never been to a gym, but they're a really good ref, wrestler they've got strength in all those mm -hmm. movements so it's the ability for catch pass and all the contact fighting positions where you maybe it's not contact like collision orientated but it's twisting and fighting and wrestling orientated mm. so a lot of the time we're trying to prevent movement from the spine but there are critical mo moments where we do want to have rotation be able to move through that spine but in a strong position yeah and you think even goal kicking they need that ability as well mm. so they need that ability to rotate and cross brace between you know this rib and this uh, opposite pelvis to create that kick as well mm. and it just pops up my head like just like line out lifting as well yeah that they'll need the lateral flexion but obviously at times it's it's perfectly fine and other times we don't want that yeah and if you, you get hit in the air suddenly or from any angle that ability to get back in as well mm. so and if you're the lifting in the line out that's even more important mm. to have that linkage between lower to upper body mm. so one the next one we've already pretty much covered off which is uni, uni, unilateral training so our single leg rdls or our bulgarian split squats it pretty much ticks off everything that we just did obviously we don't want to be rotating in those movements but um, and it sort of links nicely to cross bracing, especially with say our single leg RDL. So that's where we're looking at our cross bracing planks. And again, if you've been doing the Become a Beast program, you would um, know what those are, um, but they're also known as contralateral planks as well. And what would be our um, rugby movement for a cross, a cross bracing? Well, you even think running, okay, straight away from sprinting. So your leg action, you to create stability at some point, uh, from your opposite shoulder, opposite hip, you'll contract so that it'll go from one shoulder across there. You think of your arm action in running, it's all there to actually promote that activity. So if you're carrying a football, you've got to have another way of doing that as mm -hmm. well. So it's really giving you good locomotion skills as well. But also you think scrummaging, okay? If you're getting hit and you're getting pushed up from one angle, you're in a clean out, you're getting hit from one angle, it's the ability to get back down as well or to fight that. Yeah. So um, it probably crosses over to a lot more things than you realise. think kicking and passing as well. So um, if I could only do one exercise, and I don't ever want to only do one, uh, some form of cross bracing plus some form of standing cross bracing with a rotation would be where I'd look at yeah. if, you, if you were that limited on time. No, that's a good answer. So now we're going to move on to some questions. So over your experience, how has trunk training evolved from when you first started till now? Yeah, before it was um, it was sort of something to see, to add on at the end, okay, um, that you went, oh, I'll do some core training as well, okay. And it went through a bit of a phase in the late 90s where it was all about 
um, TVA, which is like a, the ability to draw your uh, lower abs into your spine. Well, it became a bit too technical um, that way. Then it was a huge amount of uh, work from uh, Stu McGill. I think it was about bracing and how strong you can get in bracing. Then some people like uh, uh, French Boss came into the equation, um, JP, Dean Benton and so forth, and a lot of other really good practitioners. And they started looking at a whole lot of different activities for your core and taking it to vertical positions using bands. I think the invention of um, bands in particular, before that they were used cable machines for all those activities. I think the um, longer bands or joining multiple bands together has really helped. The other thing is like back extension machines or GHDs, giving them people to actually be in them laterally facing up. Um, and people have actually started critically analysing their sport and looking for, you know, what led to an injury or what led to a loss of an energy link in a certain movement. And it started really coming back to those areas. So I think the thinking of it has changed and it's, probably the best time to be an athlete really mm. how about your experience through um growing up with rugby yeah so it's definitely evolves because when you think of say just abs or core you're just thinking of higher number of uh reps and a lot of volume and just doing sit-ups doing some side crunches doing some ankle taps doing that exercise where you stand up hold a dumbbell and you lean to one side which doesn't actually work your obliques it's actually uq well um, when i found out but it's it was just doing high volume like bodybuilders like we've talked about in the past it's sort of that's where you start off as and then you realize oh there's some other things that we can be focusing on then you move more into planks and then it was side planks and then over my experience as a player and then learning it comes back to those categories of movements that we just talked about so doing some single arm farmers walks or just normal farmers walks being doing some banded stuff has probably changed the game i reckon for myself and then for programming for athletes and then just loading those planks up as well putting some weight on the back if they can hold weight if they can do um, a dumbbell raise on a side plank as well and it's definitely evolved to be able to challenge them in different planes of, of motion um, on one leg on two legs if they're hanging overhead or if they're in those ghd machines as well yeah. And it's it's definitely evolved to where, just like you said, it's a really good time to be an athlete because we're making you nice and strong and robust in many different planes of motion. And you're maximizing your time as well doing it. We're not just doing 50, uh, a set of 50 sit-ups, rest, and do another set. It's not like that. It's, it's definitely changed. Yeah. I would almost, and I forgot to say, the way that um, you're doing run training now to like whether it's stick, stick on your shoulder drills, rotation, running along, punching plates out, holding out, grabbing onto aqua bags, running and then twisting and then punching them out. Mm. People are actually really linking it to the core activities that you mm. do, so to speak, pardon the pun. But also involving running with your core training, um, like I was saying, with those plate switches and stuff. So now we're really getting specificity into mm. Um, our uh, core and trunk integrity training which is fantastic yeah and all those exercises it's never too young to start it's start as soon as possible if you've got a really good program and a good coach as well because if you learn those skills once you get up to the higher levels um, first grade and trying to go professional this is the bread and butter that they're doing 
Yeah, like as I always say, you've got to look like you belong at that next level. Mm. Um, be humble and be at the level you are, but train to be at that next level so you look like you belong. And it's that these are the type of skills that you'll need going forward. Mm. And um, that will start filtering down. So every couple of years, it's a progression. We get better mm, as well. Totally. So how do coaches and athletes get trunk training wrong? Uh, it's not knowing the reason. Okay, so um, if you think just having good-looking abs is strong, well, you know, if you can look at some of those powerlifters that do some really good trunk work for their sport, they're so strong there. They need it to support their spine. The How they get it wrong is they, and you alluded to this earlier, thinking that it's an endurance muscle. Mm. Okay, so it can be anything you want it to be like there's a whole lot of different muscle fibers in there and you need to train like surfing the curve so to speak with your power training and strength training you need to do that with your core but you've also got to earn the right to move up to levels so build into it like you would build strength in normal um like you, you squat patterns and so forth well uh, and just be confident if you follow a good program though it'll always be in there and there'll be some stuff that you won't see people do in the gym because most people don't get it and yeah. understand it <laughs> yeah definitely agree with all that and it's i think they just get it wrong once you see someone in the gym doing something so say for instance a russian twist or the standing dumbbell crunch as i alluded to before and it's oh yeah i'll try that and do it and they feel something and it's like yeah might as well just load that up and just continue to do that because I think it's working my trunk or core and yeah, it's not understanding why you're doing that movement. Yeah, you think it like the CrossFit has a bit of an influence on people. When do they have to run and uh, make tackles and so forth that way? And that's why you see a lot of like, butterfly sit-ups, that type of stuff. Um, you, there's no transfer over to sport. Mm. So if you want to know how to transfer over to sport, get a a program that is for sports performance, mm. not just you know, image. Mm. 100%. So when prescribing trunk training, should it be prescribed at the start, throughout, throughout the training or at the end? And with the list we have provided above, should it be all one movement or a mixture or just rotate through the list? Yeah, well, this is going to be time dependent. You can use basic core exercises as warm-ups. You can use uh, between bigger lifts in the gym if you want. You can use core exercises as supersets with that as well. Um, if you've got big heavy lifting that day uh, for your lower body, I would save it for the end a little bit just because you don't want to pre-fatigue that uh, core for those bigger lifts because it's actually working there as well. So basic warm-up, if I was doing an upper body, I'd superset. If I was doing a lower body training, I would do it afterwards. If I've got a heavy running session, uh, if I've got a long enough gap, I'm not worried. If it's a short gap, I'd do it afterwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something you can easily play around with as an athlete or a coach, and there's no wrong way to do it. It's just whatever you think is working best and what complements the exercise that you're doing. Because if you're doing a lot of unilateral movements, well, you're using your core there straight away and we're getting a good adaptation in, in, in one, one or two of those categories that we just described above. And I definitely would probably put the harder stuff towards the end um, so they're not just getting too fatigued from it, yeah. but there would be something at the start that the athlete 
wouldn't know that they're doing it. So like I'll be, I'll just say, yeah, we're doing this to let's say a single leg step down. Like we're just yeah, focusing on the leg, but they're really having to stabilize their core and, and stuff like that. So I'd sprinkle it in without them knowing that they're getting it warmed up for those big lifts, yeah. but then challenge them at the end of the program um, and put um, those more complicated uh, trunk integrity training movements. Yeah. And I, I forgot that there was two parts of that question as well. Yes. The second part, um, how would it do it? I have a variety over a week. So I do different movements on different days. Mm. Um, and just pick a category of how you might want to have a, a vertical um, bracing day and a, a rotation, but just making sure that you getting a criteria of different ones done through the week and something that um, flows into the session. Mm. So if you're doing some uh, running that has catch pass, that's when you could introduce some drilling activities that, that actually have that at the beginning. So you actually stimulate that and then transfer it into mm. the performance as well. Yeah, definitely. So does tra trunk training look different between forwards and backs in rugby? Uh, well, everyone has to run, tackle, clean out. So most of it's the same. Where it gets a little bit different and uniquely different is the scrum. So a lot of the scrum hold activities for core are in that scrum action, okay? And that can be you're putting different demands on, on them. So that's where it's uniquely different. But that does transfer over for breakdown work for other positions as well. Mm -hmm. They just have a heavier load of that. Um, and depending on what side of the scrum and so forth, they'll have bands where they're trying to force their hips into the hooker to force it forwards. So while they're in like prone positions and rollouts or step outs or scrum position rollouts, they might have um, bands, depending on which side of the scrum they are, forcing that hip inwards to push against the hooker so there's no gap. Mm. So that's where it gets uniquely different for particularly the front uh, three guys in the scrum and also the second rows. Sometimes it, you can work a little bit more on that back row so they can be in that position and again, forcing that shoulder in. So that's very slightly different. Mm, no, totally. I think, it, yeah, in my programming in the past, it's been everyone's done the same thing. I think with the cross bracing, it was a bit easier for the backs compared to the forwards. So that's where I might get them into more of their scrum position, especially if they haven't done enough during the week. And then trying to force them onto three, a three-point scrum position or alternating arms or legs, that would be the main difference for me between the forwards and backs. Just the backs could um, handle the cross bracing a bit more and start to load some weight onto their back, whereas the forwards, some of the bigger ones struggled with that a bit. Yeah, it's interesting and probably my elite skew view. Um, yeah, we'd have people like your front rowers able to do cross bracing it where they're holding 30 seconds outside doing multiple sets where they're anywhere up to 75 kilos mm. on their back. That's the type of strength you need to get to. And if you're a bigger guy in that front row, it's even more important. So, yeah, you, you've got to work hard to get up there and mm. you know, just accept that just because you, you're big doesn't mean you're strong mm. yet. Another one that popped in my head was also doing rollouts in the scrum position as yeah, well. Perfect. That would be a sort of a different one compared to the backs, but I would 
that time to get the backs to do it, just to make them know that how hard the forwards are working in the scrums and who knows, one day you might become a forward and it's just something different for the backs as well. Yeah, and like I said, it actually transfers over to breakdown positions yeah. as well, rain outs more, more than actually pull. Mm. So something we've already uh, ticked off or in all the questions that we've asked before, but is trunk training just gym-based or can it be implemented into field training as well? I think we've answered that question. So um, no, it can be gym and field mm. and it should be gym and field because at the end of the day, that's uh, a field-based sport and we've got an influence out there as well. Mm. And there's no reason if you don't, uh, you could actually do a field training session and then do a core training session afterwards as well. Mm. Uh, you could have bands and a pole roller that's ready to go. If your club doesn't really do gym, doesn't mean that you can't miss out on something. It's, mm. it's vitally important as core or trunk integrity, as we talked about. Yeah, and I think it's something that um, we talked about on our next uh, next strength um, episode, where it's those basic exercises that we post on Instagram with the rotations of the neck and the flexion. Um, trunk exercises like that can be implemented before training, especially to be prepared to be able to do contact, to be able to do passing and all that as well. Yeah. Um, it's definitely something that you can put into your warm-up routine along with your neck strength um, exercises and just be really primed and ready for that field session. Yeah. And you think pre-scrum uh, position type of work or scrum training, uh, inherently most people do stuff like that and they build up to it. Mm. Like you were saying, that's 4.3 um, for that reason. Mm. Yeah. So last question, uh, what movements should athletes avoid when doing trunk training and why? Yeah, so this is a really interesting one. So for me, it's the extreme positions. Okay, so extreme extension, extreme flexion, uh, and any of those plus a rotation, that's where you're going to help yourself. Yeah. So if you're extremely up with loaded, that's what we don't want. Okay. Um, and anything where you're not in control of your spine. Mm. it should be aligned and you're the one dictating terms um not the exercise or the weight that you can't handle what are your thoughts um it's it's really like i have specific movements i will not program just because i've just learned that they weren't good and they're causing a bit more harm than damage and they're just not transferring over and at the end of the day we wanted to be able to transfer over so our athletes are better on the field and i've already alluded to a couple of them so i rush and twist i don't like just because it's loading up the hips and lower back. And especially with, if you're not training people at that high level, um, people have jobs and uh, the uni students, a lot of them are sitting down all day. So they already got tight hips, already got a tight lower back. What's the point of loading that up and doing that, those type of movements and any type of ankle touches or just crunches where they're just doing these little movements and it's just not good for anyone. We're not getting our bang for our buck. And I think we're doing a disservice to the athlete, but we want to be able to make them more strong, robust and better athletes. And just using those exercises, especially high volume is just not good for anyone. And I think it's a lazy programming, but it's not lazy if you just don't know better. And hopefully this part, this episode is helping you understand that there are better exercise out there to make you more robust and, and, a, and a better athlete as well yeah and if you've listened to the end you know better now yes definitely. <laughs> which i'm sure they do yes yeah. so we do have a fan question so at the end of each podcast moving forward if you have sent us a question we're, we're going to answer it uh, to the best of our ability so this one comes from cam Holt. so we did do a, a 
asked for questions uh, a couple of weeks ago on Instagram. So his question is, what are some mobility and strength exercises for pilfering and ruck contact? Yeah, so this is a really good one. So you think um, for that ruck contact, uh, a basic exercise would be almost a downward dog with your legs a little bit wider, getting in that position and where you get down to the ground and work back up into that position. Um, some other ones would be even getting into that wider pilfer position where you're just about to go down and then actually have a little weight that you hold. Um, progressing from that, it would be where you have a weight, you leapfrog out, right? Like it could be 10 up to 20 kilos. You jump up, spin around, get your feet, uh, your fingers underneath in that pilfer position and you pull up while you're bent over. So that's going to give you the ability to dynamically get into that position. Mm. Um, this is probably sounds like something that we need to put a video on and mm. show a few different ways to do that. But um, there's some ideas for you. Have you got some ideas? Yeah, I think it's just having some basic mobility to begin with. So making sure you're freeing up your hips and your lower back, especially if that's already tight, then you're not going to be able to get into a position, especially when there's load and high force. So it's doing that type of stuff. And then for the strength exercises, you can do some lateral, say, lunges in that position, really getting those adductors strong. But it's just making sure that we've got some really good, strong and robust hamstrings as well. Because I have have seen and heard of some people tearing uh, their hamstrings in those extended positions. Yeah, and, and that's probably an issue in that position. That's mm -hmm. where if, um, if you are a back rower, the strength of your posterior chain mm. it has to go up like you you have to get very very strong but also have that range of motion in that uh posterior chain mm. and trying to get into where you, you, your groin can handle being out wider than most people like mm. i think it's just practicing that that technique to be able to get in get yourself in a good position and also get in there fast because if you're on that ball can take that ball out before getting the contact that's an advantage but then it comes back to if you're able to brace you you anticipate that contact coming and then you've braced yourself you can really absorb that contact stay on the ball get the penalty and you're not going to get hurt as well yeah i like that win the ball and then you don't ever have to win a bit uh, worry about the penalty yeah you get that if you've survived the and I think they've got a little bit better. They were a bit crazy for a while where they made you have to survive a couple of attempts. Yeah. So I think they've cleaned that up for that reason because of the injuries. So, mm. um, yeah, we'll do some video on that. Yeah, and sort of my last point with that one is if you're a person who's not uh, number seven and you're wanting to improve your pilfering ability, ask someone on your team who, who's good at pilfering or someone from a different club or you see someone on Instagram who's a back rower, like reach out and just ask him, well, what are some points can you give me as well? Yeah, well, it's interesting you say that. I think you're trained a couple of props that are really good at it and some backs that are really good at it. Um, the more people you can have that are good at that, the better your team is rather than relying on your number seven, your back row. It actually frees up a lot of that. And it makes, uh, I guess, when you're... Uh, in an attacking situation and you know there's several guys that can pilfer, the amount of people that you have to commit to that breakdown goes up. Therefore, your attacking options, the number of people that you've got left over compared to them comes down. Mm. So it really nullifies a lot of attack. Mm. And especially on, yeah, if your team's really good at pilfering on the defence, 
the opposition is just kind of like, oh, shit, we, we really have to be on point for our clear outs because if not, they're just getting that ball back. So they're having to use more energy in it and just over time, they're getting a lot tired and frustrated as well because you're, you're pilfering that ball and getting penalties and turnovers. Yeah. yeah. Their attacking ball is your ball if you're good at it. <laughs> yes, 100%. Cool. So... So to close up, all movements in sport require a strong and robust core. Deal with the demands placed in training game day. Yeah, can we even go in life? Mm. Like if you want to have a good, healthy lower back, look after your trunk strength and core. Yeah, definitely. So thanks for tuning in to another episode of Elite Rugby SNC podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, and rate Elite Rugby SNC on Spotify, YouTube, and Instagram. Sign up to become a beast today via the link in our description or via our Instagram page. Also, sign up to our newsletter and receive bonus free content each and every single week. So don't wait, make that good decision and join Elite Rugby SNC today and take your game to the next level. So thank you, everyone, and thank you, Ben. Thanks, Kieran. Well done.